Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings to all of you planeswalkers and spellcasters from all over the multiverse. It is great. As you have joined us here in the Unlucky Lounge in historic Montescrew Manor for another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master here in this fine establishment. And joining me as always, he's the best in the business. He's more than a two, two for two, and he's the best bear tender you can find on this or any other plane. His name is Borak. Borak, how are you feeling after this epic pre-release weekend? <laughs> But it's that good kind of exhaustion, right? The one where you just sit back and you're like, that was a good weekend of playing magic. Well then, your wish is my command. We're going to sit back and take it easy this week on Draft and Draft. We're going to crack some packs, talk about some picks, and maybe even put together a sealed pool. But before we do that few bits of housekeeping. First off, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, Believe.com, wherever you download your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media. I am Draft and Draft Corey on Twitter, and of course, you can find us at our Patreon at Draft and Draft and MTG Podcast. Swing on to anything, join the conversation, become part of the culture here in the Unlucky Lounge. You help us keep the lights on. With that... Our housekeeping is complete. The sorcerer's broom put back into the conjurer's closet, and let's get to this week's topic. For you see, at the end of a hard weekend of playing some pre-release magic, I walked away with 12 packs. Well, actually 18, but I had to open 6 right away. You understand, don't you, the feeling of just opening it up? You get it anyway. Well, you see, here in this episode, we're going to open up those packs and highlight notable commons, uncommons, the rare, of course, and figure out what would be your pick one, pack one out of each pack. Me and Borak will talk about it together and kind of come to some kind of consensus. At the end, we'll see if all six packs together can make a sealed pool. Oh, and also, stay tuned to the very end, because you're going to have a chance to enter free a chance to walk away with some Theros Beyond Death packs, so stay tuned till the end. But before we get to that, we gotta keep tradition in mind, friends. So if you're at home and you have yourself a draft, a brew, or maybe a spirit, I want you to take it, hold it in your hand, and we're gonna cheers to a very enjoyable pre-release weekend of Theros Beyond Death. Folks, let's begin the content of this little show with the untapped step. Now that was a good first sip. I'm drinking cider here tonight, as we classically do. Borak, what are you drinking today? You're drinking boysenberry brandy? Isn't that a little, you know, on the nose? Dude, your jokes are getting more and more unbearable by the day. Well, with that little bear parlance set aside, let's get to opening up these packs now. When I do so, I'm going to open them up, do a quick little page through, and then give you the notable commons, uncommons, and the rare found in the pack. At which point, I'll chime in, give you what I think might be the pick one, pack one out of each pack. 
Korok will chime in, and in the end, maybe we'll figure out how to turn this pile of cards into a 40-card sealed deck. Well, I feel like my generosity of waiting to open up these packs has gone on long enough. So let's go ahead and open up these bad boys and see what comes out of it. What was the coolest card I opened? I didn't really open too much really good value, but I did open up one of those sweet foil island consolation lands. And let's face it, island's the best card in the game anyway. And that's no one's fault. I mean, the blue color pie gets card draw and counterspell? Sign me up. So looking through the commons here quickly, there's a few that stand out to me. Uh, first is Omen of the Forge. It's the one red enchantment that flashes in and deals two damage to any target. Later, you can sack it to scry two. I really like the uh, Indomitable Will, the one in a white flash enchantment that enchants the creature. It gives it plus one, plus two. I think it's a pretty good card. It's going to be a good role player. Then going with that kind of is Transcendent Envoy. One in a white for an enchantment creature. Flying or a spells you cast cost one less to cast. The one that really excites me though, Relentless Pursuit. Two colorless and a green. For a sorcery, you reveal the top four cards of your library. You may put a creature and or land card from among them into your hand and then put the rest in the graveyard. It's a pretty good card advantage and can fuel your escape card. So those are the best ones. I don't think any of them in particular I would be excited to first pick. But let's get to the uncommons. First, Hateful Eidolon, the one black enchantment creature that uh, lifelinks as a 1-2, and when an enchanted creature dies, you draw a card for each aura you control that was attached to it. I would love to push the boundaries of this card. I don't think it's a first pick, but it has exciting build-around potential. Ooh, next is Illyrios Enraptured. I talked about this in my top-down flavor designs. It's the 2-3 that makes the reflection of itself for 2 and a blue. I love this card. I got a chance to play with it in my first seal pool, and it performed about as strong as you think it would. It's two creatures in one card. It's amazing. I don't know. I would put that right now towards what I would first pick. Oh, but then we get my favorite escape build around so far. I'm willing to bet there's a better one, but right now I adore Chain Web Arcaneer. It's one green for a 1-2 with reach, and then it escapes for three colorless green-green, and you exile four of the cards. It escapes with three counters on it, but when it enters the battlefield, either the first time around or for the escape, it deals damage to target creature with flying and opponent controls. I love this card. Again, back to my first sealed pool, I got to play two of these. The real challenge I actually found was when you draw it, you have to like find a way to put it into the graveyard. And I was playing a, a Simic build that had this, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to just start swinging and just getting one damage in and hoping that my opponent chumps it. But then if, they're got, if they got more pressure on me, then I have to sit back and use it as a blocker. So I kind of got to figure out a way to really get it into the graveyard. But still, solid card, great escape mechanic, really something that I look to build around. And the final one is Temple of Deceit, the rare. It's the blue-black scry land. So if I had to make a choice out of this for pick one, pack one, I'd probably stick with Illyrios Enraptured, I feel. Just really, really good, great value. Maybe Chainweb Arcaneer in the future, but as of right now, if I were to pick one, pack one something, I'd go with Illyrios Enraptured. Borak, what do you think? What would your pick be? Alright, going with the green spider. I respect the pick. I enjoy that. Let's see what we get in pack two here. Mm -hmm. 
No, Borak, I agree. There is something really satisfying about the smell of a freshly opened pack. It's kind of like a, uh, a new car smell, except without a $10,000 plus loan attached to it. Anyway, let's take a look and see what we get here in this next pack. Doing a quick little scan through the commons, and the thing that really uh, stands out to me right now, uh, Daybreak Chimera, three and, a, and double white. For a 3-3 flying, that costs X less to cast. X is equals your devotion to white. That card seems like an absolute bomb common. Like, I'm really excited to put together some good curves there. This is the kind of card where you want to slant heavily into white and play your Daxos on two. Just really get at them with a 3-3 flyer early. Lampad of Death's Vigil. I saw some people do some really good work with this card at the pre-release. It's one to black for a 1-3. Uh, it's an enchantment creature nymph. It has pay one and sacrifice a creature. Each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. When you combine this with some of those satyrs or another card in this pack, which is Discord and Piper, the 2-1 for 2 that makes a goat when it enters the battlefield, I think this card has some real legs in the limited format, particularly when you can draft around it. But let's go and take a look at the uncommons. First out is Elspeth's Nightmare, the black uncommon saga. Two and a black for a saga. Chapter one, destroy a creature and opponent controls with a power two or less. Chapter two, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-creature, non-land card from it and discard it. And then chapter three, exile target opponent's graveyard. I do think it's quite strong. I think it's going to have a lot of great value, especially in draft and I would be very excited to reset the Saga counters and get more value off of it. Oh, next up is a really interesting one. A card I featured on the top-down designs, Entrancing Liar. It's three colorless. It's an artifact. You may choose not to untap the card, and then you pay X and tap it to tap a creature with a power X or less, and it remains tapped as long as you would like to keep the Entrancing Liar tapped during that untap step. I think it's good. Just maybe not like pick one, pack one kind of first pick level, but I would definitely keep it in mind going into whatever. I'm willing to bet this card will probably be a really good role player in green decks that look to accelerate mana out, maybe uh, with the the two drop that makes two mana off of uh, having a creature of power four or greater. Here's an interesting one, Rise to Glory. I talked about this in my prediction episode for Theros Beyond Death. Three colorless, white, black, it's a sorcery. Choose one or both, return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield, or return target aura card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I think this could be a really good role player. It can certainly do a lot of work when it comes to, you know, getting your removal auras back, and I'm sure you can, you know, put together something really good, say with commanding presence and putting on a creature and just going to town. And I think this is right, and I would, if someone out there... Uh, knows I'm wrong about this, please feel free to tweet me, draft and draft Cory, but I think when you return the aura, if it is, say, a negative effect aura, you can actually attach it to uh, your opponent's creatures, even if they have something like Hexproof, because attach goes around the idea once it enters the battlefield. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's the way it works. And finally, we have Storm Herald. Two and a red for the 3-2 with haste. When it enters the battlefield, you return auras from the graveyard onto creatures you control, and then the auras get exiled uh, at the end of step, or exiled whenever they leave the battlefield. This is, I think, a card with a lot of potential. It's got a lot of intrinsic value built into it, and I really think that this card is going to make a splash, but it's not going to be a first pick. You're going to table this card around a bit, and then eventually you're going to jump onto this when you have a handful of positive auras. This card will probably play its best role maybe in green-red or white-red. I don't know. 
I'm curious to potentially draft that card, but if I were to pick something out of this pack, I'd either go with uh, Elspeth's Nightmare or Daybreak Chimera. I'm leaning right now towards Daybreak Chimera. I really just want to curve a bunch of white mana symbols and just tap sideways and say, let's go. Oh, and I forgot to mention this too, but there's also uh, Warbriar's Blessing. Uh, it is the enchantment aura for one green. When it enters the battlefield, you uh, fight another creature, and the enchanted creature has plus O plus 2. This is a good one. I'm still probably going to edge it with Daybreak Chimera, but I do like Warbriar's Blessing quite a lot as well. Borak, what would you go with? Alright, going with the fight enchantment. I respect the aggressive play. Here we go into pack number 3. And first off, this wolf token, if you haven't seen it, with the swirls on the side, pretty stunning. Uh, give it up for Jakob Casper? Sweet, Jakob Casper, well done. You know, on second thought, it just might actually be Jacob. So, Jacob or Jacob or however you pronounce it, well done, love the art. Let's go to the comments first in pack three. A couple of solid picks here. You got the Ichthyomorphosis, Omen of the Forge, definitely two cards I would... Uh, definitely lean into playing in my sealed pool, but not a lot of good stuff. I enjoy seeing the Traveler's Amulet. can really uh, stretch me into playing multiple different colors in a sealed pool. Let's go into the uncommons, though. Uh, first off, Shoal Kraken, 4 and a blue for a 3-5 that constellations to uh, may draw a card and discard a card. Nice loot con. This feels like one of those really important enablers to get your escape cards into the graveyard, which, as I kind of mentioned before, seems like a pretty important barrier you got to have a few ways to actually get those cards into the graveyard because on their first way around maybe not as great but when you escape them especially those that give the counters so very good uh next uncommon minions return real interesting one two and a black for a flash enchantment aura enchant creature when it dies you return that card to the battlefield under your control seems good i like this very much in say the black white deck where you can Fetch it up with Heliod's Pilgrim. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. I just don't know if I'd want to put it. I'd definitely get Shoal cracking over it at the moment. Uh, next uncommon. Oh boy. Here's a good one. Nessian Horn Beetle. One and a green for a 2-2 at the beginning of combat on your turn. If you control another creature with power 4 or greater, put a 1-1 counter on Nessian Horn Beetle. Borok, I know you must be really excited to see this card. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard some chat around that some people are calling this the Uncommon Tarmogoyf, and with good reason. This thing grows exponentially very quickly. It's a must-answer. Right now, definitely would be my pick one, pack one. Uh, let's see. It looks like for our rare, we've got uh, Tarniko, the 3-3 Vigilant, the one white-white. It's the one that when you attack, it makes your creature into a Gideon Jura, uh, a 4-4 creature that is indestructible and untaps. Really good card. Much better on curve. I actually got a chance to play with this in a red-white deck over the weekend, and I thought it was particularly strong. Uh, also in the pack, we have a foil. Whoa! We've got a foil Underworld Breach, folks. Uh, real good legacy enabler here. It's the enchantment one to red. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape is equal to its cost, plus exile three other cards from the graveyard, and then you sacrifice it at the end step. Wow, that's pretty sweet open but if i'm taking anything here nessian horn beetle 100 i think that's the pick closely maybe shoal kraken but i don't know i think it's pretty hard to argue with the power of a 2-2 that keeps growing what do you say borak is that the best bear out of the set uh, 
Yeah, you and me, we agree on this one. Nessian Hornbeetle, pick one, pack one. Definite, to me, best card out of the set. I like the Legend, but to me, that feels like a card you just really want to be on curve. Plus, I think that bear is going to be a real consideration for when we put this whole sealed pool together. Anyway, let's go to pack number four. I mean, Borak, I know it's kind of like an unboxing video budding podcast form, but honestly, what's more fun than opening packs after your pre-release weekend at a bar and just seeing money flying out your wallet, but who cares because it's the new set? Plus, where else are people going to hear a bear and a human talk about pick order anyway? That's right. This is an Unlucky Lounge exclusive. Only here can you find a bear and a human talking pick order. But let's get to pack number four. A couple commons really stand out. Uh, first, Voracious Typhon. Uh, two green green for a 4-4 four, four that escapes uh, and becomes a 7-7 seven, seven strong card. Do always love to see the push 4-4 four, for four, four in each set. A big winner next, Heliod's Pilgrim. Two and a white for a 1-2 that fetches an aura. Love this card. Seems pretty well placed in this and with a number of flicker effects. Speaking of which, flicker fades in this actual pack. Seems like a pretty good consideration. Now here's an interesting one I'm still trying to get my gauge on. Alter the Pantheon. Three colorless. You tap it to add one mana of any color. If you control a god, demigod, or legendary enchantment, you gain a life. But it also has a really interesting line of text. Your devotion to each color and each combination of colors is increased by one. It's such a curious card. It's something that gives you the ability to splash multiple colors, but also speaks to a strategy that wants you to be more monocolored. This is going to be an example of a card that will be very interesting to track come a few months down the line, and a lot of sealed and drafts under our belts to see where it lands. Let's go ahead and move to our first uncommon. Hydra's Growth, Tuna Green for an Enchantment Aura, Enchant Creature. When Hydra's Growth enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on Enchanted Creature. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, double the number of plus one plus one counters on Enchanted Creature. This is one that can really snowball the game, take it away. And considering that we got that Hilliard's Pilgrim, going to work well in the overall sealed pool. Interesting consideration, maybe not something I'd pick one, pack one, but it has a lot of potential to really snowball the game away from your opponent. Next up is Reverend Hoplite, a card I talked about before. Four colorless and a white for a 1-2. When it enters the battlefield, you make a number of 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature tokens equal to your devotion to white. I still am quite keen on the go-wide strategy. We've got the pseudo-heroic effects, and I still think this card could be a role player. I do think Red-White's got some legs, and I think just like the way that Red-White kind of snuck up on us a few months down the line after Throne of Eldraine was out, I think that Red-White is going to do the same thing, even though a lot of people are saying it's a bit of a slower format. We'll see, but let's go to our next card, and speaking of Red-White, here's the Red Enchantment Saga Uncommon, The Triumph of Annex. Four chapters on chapters 1, 2, and 3 until end of turn target creature gets trample and plus X plus. Plus O, where X is the number of lore counters on Triumph of Annex. And then target creature you control fights up to one target creature you don't control. This doesn't feel like a particularly good card. It gets you some damage push through on the first few chapters, but then it's a very slow forecastable fight spell. 
Not real into it, wouldn't pull me anywhere. But the art's good. Good for you, Chris Seaman. Good for you. Uh, we got ourselves a special uh, Blue Island from the Constellation, but, well, I think we found our first pick. It's Clothis, God of Destiny. One green-red, the four-five indestructible god, and if your devotion to green in red is less than seven, it isn't a creature. And then you get to do this weird exile, a card from the graveyard. If it's a land, you get green or red. Otherwise, it kind of drains your opponent for two. This card is very strong, has a lot of good utility for this set, undeniably definitely our first pick, and just so happens, really cool constellation art that we opened there. Good for you, Clothis, good for you. Okay, Borok, calm down, don't blow a gasket. I'll trade it to you after this. Just show me a trade binder that doesn't have a bunch of bears in it. <laughs> Oh, calm down, Furball. We'll figure it out later. Okay, let's go to our next pack. This is number five. Uh, in this one, we start off with a couple solid uh, commons. First off, Final Flare. Real good role player in that black-red sack thing strategy. Uh, Venomous Hierophant. That's a 3-3 death touch for four. Uh, it enters battlefield, and you put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. I heard that Sam Black was calling this a 3-3 death touch that draws you a card. Not a bad comparison if you get that escape card in the yard. But that's kind of what we're looking at with the commons. Let's move to the uncommons now. First off, classic Underworld Dreams. Three black symbols. Black, black, black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, it deals one damage to that player. Fun card really requires you to be heavy into black, but... Still something. Uh, next up, well, when it rains, it pours. Good old Gary, Gray Merchant of Asphodel. Three black, black for the 2-4. That drains your opponent when it enters the battlefield equal to your devotion to black. Talk about Combo City. One after another, Underworld Dreams plus Gary. A cool drain five. I'm into that. Uh, next up, Clothis's Design. Five colorless and a green. Creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is your devotion to green. I think this isn't such a great card. I also think this might be a sneaky green-white card. White's got some of that go-wide strategy. So I think this just really rolls well when you're leaning heavy into green and maybe splashing some of the white stuff. I don't know. Maybe there's just not that many great white token makers. You got Omen of the Forge. Maybe this is better for the Seder tokens. I don't know. Not the greatest card in the world, but our rare is Nylia's Intervention. Uh, it's the rare that uh, X, green, green, you search for up to X land cards, put them in your hand. It's a sorcery, or it deals twice X to each creature with flying. It's fine, not great. We do have a foil, Inspire Awe, three colorless and a green, prevent all combat damage that will be dealt this turn, except by enchantment creatures or enchanted creatures, scry two. Not convinced that card's all that great. I mean, I guess not a wonderful pack, but let's go classic. Gary, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, get into pick one, pack one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Borok, not every pack is going to have good green cards. You just got to embrace the dark side of things sometimes. <laughs> oh, quit being such a baby, Borok. We got one last pack. I'm sure there's going to be some good green card in this one. So let's go ahead and take a look. 
First, paging through the commons, few things kind of stand out. Uh, Ilsean Karyatid, it's the 1-1 one, one for 2 that makes 2 green mana if you got something power for a greater. Seems pretty good. Oh, I do love me though, a thirst for meaning. Good old draw 3 cards and discard 2 unless you discard an enchantment card. Good way as well to put those escape cards in the yard. Uh, that's kind of what stands out for me here of strong commons. Let's go to the uncommons first off. Commanding Presence. The enchantment aura for 3 and a white enchant creature. The creature gets plus 2 plus 2, has first strike, and has the text when this creature deals combat damage to a player, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. I like this card particular when you can back it up with some support, things like Starlet Mantle or Carmetra's Presence, but it does get the job done. It does do exactly what it advertises, and when you do it, it does it quite well. Not a bad card, not something I want to necessarily first pick. Our next uncommon, Freka's Band Brawler. Four colorless green green for the 4-4 four, four. when it ETBs, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. I love Hug Beast. This goes back to Guilds of Ravnica with Affectionate Indric. Same effect. This one, though, has the extra green mana pip in its cost. Do like this card? I would maybe, you know, think about this one. I would definitely want to make sure that we're going and playing the long game, but it does get at least some creature. I like it, considering it. Uh, next uncommon, the black-blue uncommon, Devourer of Memory. It's a 2-1 creature nightmare. When one or more cards are put into your graveyard from your library, it gets plus one plus one and can't be blocked this turn, and then has the activated ability of one black-blue, but the top card of your library into your graveyard. Now this is an interesting one because it does fuel escape, but it's got a significant cost to put that card in the graveyard. It still kind of acts as a tempo card, can go into a different type of strategy with the blue-black mechanic, but I don't know, it feels like it's in an awkward place in the set. Still strong if you're in blue-black, but uh, pick one, pack one, it really kind of pulls you into that color combination. So something to think about, but not necessarily something I want to first pick. Uh, our rare of this, of this is definitely going to be our first pick, Ephemia the Cacophony. One colorless and black for a 2-1 flying legendary enchantment creature harpy. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, you may exile an enchantment card from your graveyard if you do create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. It is an enchantment creature, it's a flyer, it gets you more creatures. Easy first pick, great rare to start off on. So folks, those are our six packs. What do you think, Borak? How are they looking right now? Yeah, that's a really good point. We are really lacking on removal. We got some stuff here and there. We've got an Elspeth's Nightmare. We got the Freka's Band Brawler. But we're just not really getting there in terms of straight out removal. We do have that Warbriar's Blessing, and I think with all that combined, if we're talking in a sealed kind of environment, I'd probably stick with some kind of big green deck and splashing Clothis uh, off of a few different sources. We've got the Traveler's Amulet, we've got the Ilsean Karyatid, and we even got an Omen of the Hunt. So I think some kind of combination of green, black, maybe we could even splash a little bit of blue for some final bits and strengths. 
I can also see us really building around Hateful Eidolon. We do have one, two, three, four, five different auras. If we went into blue with our Temple of Deceit, we could increase it even more. Another card I just want to know more about. No, I guess not. We really can't double splash. Even though we do have a number of different mana sources, I'm just not going to play an Unknown Shores. I don't think it's worth it to try and build around a card I'm not fully invested in. But anyway, I think we're selling here on a green-black build, splashing Clothis, maybe splashing an Omen of the Forge as well, and we do have the Sack of Creature and Enchantment to deal 5. But I think this is a good place to settle in our 6 packs. Now I'm going to take a photo of this build and I'll lay the whole pool out for you at home to take a look at and see if you agree with this six pack opening. Do you think this is the optimal build? You can take a look at either our Twitter on Draft and Draft Corey or look it up on our Patreon as well, Draft and Draft, an MTG podcast. Voice your opinion. We want to know what you think and it could actually be profitable for all of you out there. <laughs> That's right, that's what we call a sweepstakes segue. If you go on Twitter or locate our Patreon and comment or subscribe or even just follow us and give us your opinion on this sealed pool, you're going to be entered into a raffle to take home the last six packs that I won from pre-release weekend. So once more, follow us on Twitter at Draft and Draft Corey or find us at Draft and Draft an MTG podcast, and you could have a chance to walk away with six packs of Theros Beyond Death. All you gotta do is tell us what you think. Could it be any easier to get a chance to walk away with some sweet new cards? I don't think so. So get online, become a part of the narrative of the Unlucky Lounge, and welcome to the Draft and Draft Society. Once more, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts or, of course, at Believe.com. Well, I don't know about all of you, but I've reached the end of my drink, and so we've reached the end of our episode. So until next time, go out there, make some memories for yourself, and hey, it's release weekend. Plenty more Theros and magic for you to be had. My name is Corey, joined, of course, by Borok. And thanks for joining us for Draft and Draft. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.